Well, hey there, my name's Chris Rivers. I want to thank you for joining us today. And if this is your first time with us, welcome to the Culture Bus Tools podcast. In each episode, I explore leadership strategies that increase your capacity and effectiveness with people. And during each show, I interview thought leaders, hear their leadership stories, and discuss ways to become better problem solvers and people developers. You can visit culturebus.cc to access additional tools focused on each episode so you can create forward movement with your team. All right, well, let's dive into today's show. I have a special guest, Will Plonk. Will, welcome to the Culture Bus Tools podcast. It's good to be here, Chris. Yes, sir. I'm glad you're here. We know each other from Grace Church. You actually used to work at Grace. You're somewhere else now, but I'd love for you to just tell us a little bit about your contacts there and your your journey to Charleston. Yeah, so I uh, worked at Grace for just over seven years. I served there as a intern initially, right out okay. of college. Um, I came and I interned at Grace doing student ministry, transitioned through all the internship processes I think you can do that Grace yeah. had. So it was um, an internship they made up, then a residency, and then I did student ministry for a while and transitioned to be my campus pastor there at Grace. So it was about seven years in total of ministry at Grace Church. Did you do student ministry and were you a campus pastor at the same campus? I was. So I, I got to stay at the exact same place, which was, I loved cool. it because it just allowed me to do ministry with the same people. Um, yeah. for an extended period of time. Mm-hmm. So what campus were you at in Grace Church? Yeah, it was downtown Greenville. So it was okay. in the old First Baptist, then became downtown Baptist, and then became Grace Church right there on Macby Street. Man, so much history at that building, and God's done so much work through that church. I love it, man. I love going to downtown. It's such a different feel. I remember my wife and I, We the first time we went there, I remember during the, the last song or the last second song, they kind of raised the, it's in an old church, right? So it's got some yeah, old yeah. Um, stained glass windows in it. And I remember the curtains coming up and I thought Jesus was coming back. I mean, I was like, this is amazing, you know? And then you kind of leave leave out the back door and you look out of Greenville and you're like, I'm ready to go. I feel commissioned. I'm ready. And um, and that is such an amazing place. I love the leaders there. We've got good people there. So tell me you leave, you left to go start Grace City Church. What was that like? Because, I mean, that must have been challenging. It was. I mean, there's nothing harder I've done in my life than try to plant, start a church. Uh, but, you know, I got connected to Grace and got a disciple in a way I'd never had been before. You know, I met the Lord right out of high school and then I came to Grace. And I think the two things that resonated with me so much from Grace was that the Bible is not only true, but it's powerful yeah. to change lives. And the second thing was just seeing men for me, seeing older men be transparent about their struggles while simultaneously challenging each other to follow Christ, just men working jobs. And so I was like, man, this is incredible. I had such a good experience there. I had a discontentment to stay because my experience was so good. I started to feel compelled to start something similar somewhere else. And that's what led me to Charleston. Yeah. So you said something really interesting. You said you'd never been discipled like that before. Um, what do you mean? Right. Like unpack that. Like what does discipleship mean in that context when you say that? Uh, had done ministry without really having somebody tell me, Will, this is who you are. This is what you're bad at. This is what you're good at. 
Yeah. Um, this is who God is and a framework for thinking about um, following God. I just said, no, no one speak to me like that. And so I'll never forget the first time I really interacted with Grace, uh, just going to a men's study, men's roundtable, hearing uh, the Bible taught in a way I'd never heard it taught before. And I grew up, I'm a um, an adoptee, adopted real early, grew up in the home of a, a preacher and a teacher. So I was in church my whole life. But uh, the way the yeah. Bible is taught, I had never heard anything like that. And I remember thinking, I didn't even know Ad, or Eve was next to Adam in the garden wow. until my senior year of high school. And I was like, wow, you know, and I just yeah. hadn't heard anything taught like that. And so it was that, that rigorous commitment, I think, to the scriptures while simultaneously caring for people authentically uh, was, was really the seed of the discipleship that started to change my life. So you're learning more about this discipleship process. You're getting challenged in ways you've never been. And God started tugging on your heart to launch Grace City Church. What was that like? And when was that? Yeah, I think I um, had a, probably about two years, two, three years after being at Grace, I had a inclination this might be what um, I'm supposed to do, might be how I'm built. But I was nervous to talk about it to anybody because I, thought they could come across as arrogant, really it was false humility. But I eventually started a conversation with Matt Williams uh, at Grace, the founding pastor, and we just started talking. And we probably met a couple of times talking real seriously about church planning. Then I took a detour for about two and a half years and became a campus pastor. And yeah. then, um, so it was probably a four-year conversation where I was getting real-time ministry experience as we were talking about what it could look like to plant. And I'll never forget the day Matt told me, he said, Will, I've told 100 people they're not church planners. He said, you are a church planner, uh, but I'm not guaranteeing it's going to work for you. He's like, only the Holy Spirit <laughs> can determine that. So yeah. it was, um, I felt like it was a very encouraging kind of moment where I even think about how Paul tells Timothy, don't like don't neglect when the elders laid their hands on you and essentially commissioned you. I felt yeah. a, this is who you're wired to be. We don't know what the future is going to be. Only God knows that, but we're going to be in it with you. And that's, we was lots of conversations, good conversations, hard conversations that led, led us to kind of come to a place where they would send out me and a team to move to Charleston wow. to experiment with starting a church, which Grace had never done that, I think still hasn't other than us really sent out a team like that to start a separate church, not a yeah. campus. So. so you start this internship, you're learning who you are. People are speaking into you. They're, they're telling you things that you hadn't seen. You're hearing the scriptures the way you've not ever heard before. And then you're getting this confidence, like God's calling you to do this thing. Uh, what were some of the things that the other leaders spoke into you to help clarify God's calling you to do? What were some other moments and conversations that you had with people? You're like, I know this is what I'm supposed to do. I think part of the way that I was clear that it was what I was supposed to do is because I didn't want to leave. Yeah. Hmm. And um, I really loved grace and I, in some ways felt like I could be very, very content being there forever. But even though I didn't want to leave, I did want to leave. Yeah. And I think that's part of what made me feel like I can't get this, like this thing's not going to die unless I go see. So there is that in me, but then experientially it was at grace, even as a very young leader, I'm 31 now. So I think I entered into the campus pastor position at maybe 27 
And so I was wow. really young. I, mean, I was, I was the boss of a man who had kids older than me <laughs> and yeah. it was, I learned a bunch, but, uh, but I think it was given that I, grace did an incredible job giving me opportunities to really succeed and or fail. And so I had these experiences with starting things. So my internship started, I started our student ministry downtown. I hadn't had one. Um, I served in a parachurch ministry called young life. I started a new school that hadn't had um, young life at it for 12 years at Wade Hampton. I started a twenties ministry called decade 20 at grace. And then I got a chance to recreate some at the downtown campus. So I think it was, uh, the amount of experience I had starting things and then the validation and confirmation that I had from Matt and others about, um, about that. So, you know, biblically, theologically, people think differently, little a apostolic kind of gifting or strength finder test activator type of personality that led me to think that I should, I need to at least go try cause this might be how God wired me. Yeah. So you've been doing this now, like you left and you started Grace City. How long ago? So I moved uh, just over two years ago and the church officially started, meaning we had Sunday morning services a year and a half ago. Okay. And so in starting that, what, what have you learned about yourself? Even just, you know, you've gone from this, you started a bunch of, cause I mean, I've seen like some of the decade 20, I'm going to put some of that stuff in the show notes because some of the stuff that you guys curated from decade 20 is in phenomenal. I mean, just, mm. wow. I mean like the narcissism, the Bible. Um, I mean, just even like yeah. there are five topics just off the bat that I feel like everybody just needs to listen to in their whole life. They, that came from that. <laughs> so I mean, yeah, that's pretty was, amazing. I mean, I think you create something, Yeah. So, so you leave that and you go to Grace City Church. Like, what are you, what is God uncovering now in you? Like, what are you learning that you're creating now? Yeah, I think, you know, I thought I started a lot of things. It was different when I um, moved here and tried to, you know, with the help of a team and a church, because it's just, when you start, you're starting from scratch, from scratch. And when you, enter into a new town, you're meeting new people and you try to get people to join you, um, in starting a church that does not meet on Sundays yet, but will. Yeah. And, uh, you're kind of saying, Hey, you, you really are trying to get people to buy into an idea, mm-hmm. um, and commit, orient their life around it. And that was a different challenge than I'd ever faced before. So we had, again, we had about just over 20 people move from Greenville to Charleston for the church and they all changed jobs uh, in order to be a part of it. Or they did have, there were a handful who had the ability to work from um, anywhere, but that was the minority. Everybody else changed jobs to be a part of it, which was how to me, that's way more validating than me. I'm the pastor guy. They, they changed jobs for the church because they believe in God and the church so much. Um, And then when I came here, you know, recruiting people and asking them to be a part of something or just putting really more putting an idea in front of them to see if they believed in it and would want to join was was a really big was a big challenge that taught me a lot about leadership, uh, trust, a bunch of things. So. Well, there's a lot to, there's a lot I want to, I've got like a 10 questions in my mind. I think the first thing that I want to know if, if you've been able to recognize this is, 
is there a framework for helping people buy into an idea? Yeah, I mean, I think I was, Matt really helped me with this, the pastor at Grace, because I was wrestling with how much clarity do I need to give people um, okay. before they buy in? Like how much clarity do people need? Because if you, you know, I didn't plant through any sort of church planning network or anything. And those networks, like the pastor uh, is really encouraged to write out everything, have a mission statement, a vision statement, like a five-year plan, all this kind of stuff. And Matt, you know, he's gritty and a little different. And I resonate with it because he's like, no, nah, man, he's kind of got to get him to buy into you. Yeah. And what, what God's doing through this mission. And I really resonated with that. So I think the big thing for me was really helping people understand that um, God is calling us. There's something really big that we can be a part of giving your life away, you know, distinctly in a church context, like is, is valuable and worth it. And um, not knowing everything is actually a really good thing Hmm. because it creates an opportunity to, to not give people, I think, pat answers and, you kind of help help them be a part of creating something. And that was definitely something that people joined in because for us, it was, I didn't want to come and say, this is what the values are. This is exactly what the vision was. We had DNA, but we also, we, we wanted to assimilate and mesh with Charleston because that was one of the reasons we contextual, we wanted to plant a church was to contextualize it here. And so we invited people in to be a part of helping create a church because fundamentally the church is not the pastors. Jesus is the head. Everybody else's body is what the scriptures teach. So I'm like, hey, you join and be a part of creating that. And we found a lot of people did want to be a part of that reality, even though it did not seem like the way the majority of church planters were planting, yeah. if that makes sense. Yeah, I mean, it It does. I mean, it's big. It's ballsy. It's like, you know, I mean, I can't imagine yeah. what your wife felt during that time when Matt told her that and then you told her. Um, but, yeah. <laughs> um, but I mean, yeah, clarity. I mean, I have been involved in a lot of different opportunities where I've been able to help people or see others help others get, get, give clarity to wrestle through clarity, to uncover ideas. And that is one thing about grace that I've always appreciated is that uh, it's just, it's about movement. It's about, it's about just moving. You know, and sometimes you yeah. don't need clarity to move. You just need to move and clarity comes afterwards. I have noticed that. I haven't That's really right. been able to articulate that so well. Um, but even just hearing you talk about it, it is it is one of those things that unless you've been at grace, you you really just don't know unless you've been at grace, you know, at least in the yeah. leadership of grace. Yeah, you're right. Is there anything else you'd want to add to that or piggyback off of that? No, I mean, I think that, especially pre the beginning of the church, I think that was huge. And there was just a need here. So we grew a lot faster than we expected to um, and really wanted to. Um, but I think I was very excited to see that there are a lot of people who were not really, how will I say, they just, there wasn't a lot being asked of them. Yeah. And I think they were excited to join our church because they knew that they like God wants to call them to more. And this was just an opportunity for them to be called to it. Like, I think people wanted to give away more of their time and energy and resources 
Um, I don't know if they would have articulated it like that, but I think that's true. I think that's what they wanted. And this was an opportunity for them to just really be what I believe is theologically an, an imperative of being the church is just, we're all participants. Yeah. And I think that was, that was really big for a lot of people here. And there was a, there was a need or an opportunity for that in this area. So. Yeah. So, so for you, I'm just kind of taking some notes for me, like what I'm gaining out of this. And I've seen this recently. I'm launching a software at Grace right now with a handful of people and with COVID-19 happening right now, we're in the third, we're in the third week. We're recording this on the third week of COVID-19. So I am getting staff that are coming to me that have a little bit more margin and they're like, Hey, can I help? So it's been interesting because I've had some people that have just been like, Hey, can I help? And it's like, yeah, here's a need go do this thing go learn this thing you know and um so this so i'm writing down notes that i'm like sometimes you just need to know what the needs are and you need to find people to help you fulfill those needs and and just put the needs in front of the people and see what they say it's almost like you're just fishing you know in the sales world you just throw out some bait you see if somebody will actually bite and so is that kind of what you're talking about is that what you experienced when you when you decided to do this yeah, absolutely. And my other, the ch- my church always laughs at me because it feels like every other week when I am teaching, I give a sermon illustration. My, my, uh, I spent three summers in college selling books door to door for about 80 hours a week. Uh-huh. And so I would just, it was just no means next, just go, 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 knock, knock, knock. And, yeah. um, they taught you how to be really successful. But, um, and I think God used that to change me in some big ways, but yes, I am saying, I think you just, that was another thing is like you have to be clear on the mission that you are on and be so clear. It's okay. If people tell you no and it not affect you. So you're just saying, Hey, this is what we're doing. If you want to be a part of it, that's great. If not, that's okay too. God might have something else for you. And we praise God for that. And then just kind of go, go from there. Cause there's a lot of no and rejection in church plant. Um, So I think that was definitely an experience for me and for us. Well, that's good. Well, I, I know that we originally were, were going to talk about some other things, but I feel like this has just been a joy to hear. Um, I've got a ton of notes. Yeah. I'm, I'm enjoying this. Let's transition. Let's kind of land the plane here a little bit because I do, I do want to mention each week we do ask our guests to kind of share a leadership tip. And this is, a, this is an overarching idea that would be critical for us as leaders to implement in our day-to-day and why. You're leading a church. You're two years in. There's got to be some leadership tip that you're focused on right now that's helping you move uh, that you could share with us. Is there is there something that stands out? Yeah, I mean, even in light of our conversation, I think it really is just getting people started fast, hmm. like activating people quickly. And I think in regards to leadership, that's true. More importantly, I think theologically, Ephesians 4, where the, you know, the gifts, that apostolic gift, pastor, preacher, teacher, evangelist, they're called, they're given to the church to equip the saints for the work of ministry, meaning you're not supposed to do it. And if you're doing all the work as a leader, you're doing something wrong. Mm. And more than that, I think you're actually hurting the people underneath you. Mm. In a church world, I believe um, God has gifted those people. So if I'm not helping them use their gifts, then I'm hurting them and not doing my job as their pastor. Yeah. So I think the quicker you can start people, the better. And I, 
experientially, I mean, even in college when I was a very, very new Christian, I just got thrust into different leadership opportunities in which I was not ready for. I mean, that that's also true about grace. I might tell you a quick story about it because it's funny, but, Do it. um, and I cha- it changed my life more than anything else it was actually the opportunities that were given me. Um, but a real quick aside, it's, fun, it's worth sharing. When I, when Matt Williams first told me, I sat down with him actually to talk about church planning. And he asked me, he said, Will, uh, he said, do you have anything? I was like, yeah, I have some stuff. I said, do you have anything? He goes, yeah, maybe I should go first. And then he, he proposed this idea of me wow. potentially moving into a campus pastor position at my age. And I was just blindsided. And I remember leaving that uh, lunch and I called my wife and I told her what he said. And my wife said to me, he thinks you can do that. <laughs> I was like, thanks baby for the confidence. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. But, uh, but really I was like, no, I mean, I did, I don't really think I can. And with their help, you know, and God's, I was able to, to do okay. But I think that changed me. And as a leader, it really is our job, I believe, to help give people opportunities to use their gifts. So identifying those gifts, realizing it's more beneficial for you to spend the time not doing the task, but thinking about who they, not just delegating, but thinking about who they are, how yeah. they're wired, and then putting them, in, putting them into play into meaningful ways, not just to execute um, tasks or whatever's easiest. I think yeah. that's one of the, the things I've been most thankful to have learned as a leader. So this idea of advancing people quickly, what are, I mean, how, is there something that you've done recently that you could maybe pull back the curtains a little bit and just share us how did you help advance someone else quickly? Yeah. I mean, it's a, it's a good question. I think I'm, I'm constantly thinking about this. My staff team sometimes makes fun of me because I'll activate people and just get people moving so quickly. Sometimes people don't fully even know exactly where they're going and then I'll have to give them direction afterwards. Yeah. So I create some chaos, but I think it's good um, in the long run. And, but I think, you know, with this uh, COVID-19, this coronavirus, um, as a church, we are on, it feels like we're on a completely new terrain. Yeah. Um, we are a very relational discipleship oriented entity and being in person is very important. We are not, a high production church. We're a high relational church. Yep. Never really envisioned putting services online, but we do now yeah. um, because of the situation we're in. And so when that started to happen, we knew we had to change some stuff as quickly as we can and really think about what our new um, situation is and what does it mean in our current, like it felt like everything started changing. You know, people are online 40%, a stat I heard recently are online 40% more than they used to be. And you go, okay, well, how do you disciple people like this in this season and try to do your best to help people take spiritual ground and not fall backwards? Um, Even if bank accounts are falling backwards or their health is like, how do you help people depend on God in this time? And so we had to act fast and we started daily calls uh, Zoom calls with our staff. And in that time, we just slowly worked through every single area of our church and said, how can we help convert these people to be more, to do what they were doing virtually, to, but to make sure we're still discipling people towards that same end. So the principle being 
we right away did not think about doing all the tasks, but our first step was to be together relationally and then think about all the relationships we have and think about how to activate them. So having those conversations, having the conversation even less about the task that needs to be done and more about the people who are in your church or organization and how to activate them in their gifts based on need uh, for the betterment of the mission, I think is, is something we had to do. Yeah. So, well, there's plenty to do. So just kind of thinking about that, I mean, it's different from staff to staff. I mean, what you're talking about so that I can calibrate around this is what you're, you're encouraging us as leaders to do is to not do all the work, but to, but to give ministry away to people so that they can own it. They can own the cause of the work that God's called us to do. And we equip them for that work. We put tools in front of them. So in this sense, in this time and age, the church needs to be more tool makers than anything. You know, is that kind of what you're saying? Absolutely. I mean, I think we, I find most people I talk to when we start talking about this idea of activating people that they have a sense that if I ask somebody for help, really, I'm just asking them to serve me and I'm being selfish. Hmm. We believe that the opposite is true, that when you ask somebody to do something, you're actually you're serving them by giving them an opportunity to experience God in a new way and to participate in ministry. So for us, that is key for us to go yeah like who who's there and how do you how do you give ministry away to them how do you delegate and understand delegating is actually it's way more spiritual than i think people think and it has less to do with us just getting help and more to do with the people you're delegating to and i think with that viewpoint you view it which i think is theologically accurate as a service yeah. as a, as the as the mission really you know i think delegating is as much to do with the mission as whatever task we're trying to accomplish. It really has more. At our church, we are, all of our leaders could tell you this. We're like, what are the top three jobs of a leader? They would say, number one is to grow spiritually. Number two is to disciple the people underneath me. And number three is to, is to execute the task that I'm responsible for. Mm, so that's good. that to us is, is central. We pound that into our people's head over and over again because – we, we genu- uh, genuinely believe that that's true and how we need to orient ourselves. So. so can you say those three things again one more time? It was grow spiritually, number one. Yeah. Number one is to grow spiritually. And so it's just making sure every single leader is um, somebody who is actively pursuing God in front of the people that they're leading. So yeah. the biggest thing about a leader for us is not that you know a lot. It's that the people underneath you would have seen you change a lot in, the, in a year. Um, the second thing is to disciple the people underneath you, meaning you got to be praying for them, caring about them, giving them feedback, helping them grow the same thing you're doing, but you're doing that for them. And the third thing is to then execute the task. So if you take a, uh, uh, anything, a hospitality leader, them making our church hospitable is the third response, their third responsibility. Gotcha. The first responsibility is to grow. Their second responsibility is to disciple the team of um, their service team that they are responsible for. And then the, that's the second thing. The third thing is to make sure hospitality runs well and looks right. We find typically people think about it in that the exact reverse order. True. And typically people neglect first their spiritual growth, 
then the spiritual growth of the people underneath them, and lastly, the task. So yeah. we try to invert. We are constantly trying to put the paradigm that I think we naturally have in our heads, um, flip that over, so people see what we believe is is um, the way to to grow healthy. So. Yeah. Well, those that's a that's an incredible strategy. I love it. That's wise, man. I'm I'm gonna think about that today and the rest of this week as I'm wrestling through some of this stuff. It's been really good spending time with you, man. I'm really grateful to do that. Well, man, as we close, is there anything else encouraging that you would want to share with us as we leave? Um, no, I mean, I think that uh, that last little paradigm really is, I think, at the heart of who we want to be on our best days. And um, it is also an accountability check for me as the point leader of our church to make sure that I'm, I'm living that way too, that I don't, that my first thing is my own, my own spiritual growth before anything else. And then, um, then I'm thinking about even my staff, I was praying it this morning, like, okay, like any kind of feedback, I just gave somebody a a feedback email and I'm always thinking about it through the lens of, am I giving this email just because I want the task to be better or because I want that person to grow? Yeah. And I need the, the main objective I believe needs to be their growth. And then the secondary objective after that is the, the task. So it's a helpful accountability check for me. Well, thanks. And I really have appreciated this. Well, it's been wonderful. Same to you, Chris. I, I really enjoyed it too. Thank you. Well, as we finish today's episode, I want to thank you for joining us. And I do want to encourage you to utilize the three jobs of a leader tool. We've made it specifically for you in this episode. And this tool would be really great for helping you do just that, activating people and getting them owning the ministry that God's called you to do. So it's a great resource you can use in a staff meeting as well as the language you can use in your day-to-day life. So email me at hello at culturebus.cc. I'll send you the leader guide or check out the show notes for more information. And if you like what you're hearing on the podcast, I'd love your help in getting the word out. You can do that by subscribing to your favorite podcasting platform. You could give us a review or you could just tell others about the show. So, all right, well, we'll see you next time on the Culture Bus Tools podcast.